Hello and welcome to Watch It Baptist Church Online. My name's Mike, I'm the pastor at WBC and you're joining us for the latest and almost the last in our series, Being Church. We're talking about serving this week. We're going to be reading from three different passages. Uh, but before we go any further, I'm going to pray. Lord, would you touch our hearts by your Holy Spirit as we listen and think. Would you give us access to your heart and your spirit. Amen. The first place that I'm going to begin is in uh, the book of James, the letter that James wrote in the New Testament. I'm reading uh, from chapter 2 and it's a longish bit. Um, so James 2 verses 1 to 13. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I think it's a really important lesson to pick up that James is not only channeling something of the spirit of Jesus, but actually is almost quoting from the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 in this passage. It's fairly ruthless and fairly uh, direct. James is saying, you really can't be picking and choosing who you want to show love to, that royal law that he refers to, love your neighbour as yourself. And that love is demonstrated by the way you behave. We know this partly because James talks about it in practical terms, but also because the next thing that James talks about is how faith by itself is pointless and empty. And that faith that then moves you to do something, to act differently, behave differently, speak differently, that is true faith. So in this instance, James is saying, let's live towards everyone in ways that demonstrate our love for them and are an expression of the grace of Jesus towards them. So our topic for this session is serving. How do we, how can we, how might we serve one another and the world around us in what we do and say? And I think part of what James gives us is a sense that to serve is to express God's justice. As with this in mind, then I want to take us straight to a second passage. I'm in the Old Testament now. We're looking at Micah 
chapter 6. It's, it's a se section that's written in uh, poetry, and it says this. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Elsewhere, Jesus talks about how mercy is the thing that God is looking for much more than sacrifice. In fact, almost the impression you get is that the, the rituals of worship don't count for anything at all with God unless there is also mercy, an attitude to others that makes space for them despite their transgression, despite their mess up, despite the ways in which they let us down or don't meet our expectations. For many people in our world today, the weight of expectation is a, a paralysing thing. There's a sense in which trying to live up to some standard that the world keeps telling you is the way to be leaves you with an enormous sense of pressure and burden. And that, I don't think, is, is anything like the freedom with which Jesus invites us to live. With things like um, my... my uh, Oh, uh, Matthew 11. Go on, clean out my head now. Um, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah, I, I, will, I will ask you to do things, but they'll think, be things that fit who you are and how you do things. So, you know, in Philippians 3, um, Paul talks about striving and, and being determined to live out this grace that we've been given. But there is still this sense of freedom and ease. In fact, in Galatians, Paul says, um, you've been given freedom, but don't use that freedom just to satisfy yourself. Use it to serve others in ways that are going to help them. Paul is big on this idea of serving. And it's with that in mind that I want to go straight to my third reading. Here we are, only just five minutes in and already on a third reading. Bear with me. We're in Philippians and we're in chapter two, verses one to five. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with, each, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then in the NIV, at least, there's a colon and then a, a bit of poetry, possibly an early hymn. So there is a, a, an expression there in, in Paul's understanding that the way to live a life that is in unity with others, that reflects and um, is lived through the lens of the grace of Jesus, is to place others' needs above your own. Now, we've learned a lot, I think, in recent years about how we sustain good mental health. And we know from uh, Old and New Testament characters that poor mental health um, was a factor for many of those who loved and served God, and, and that God does not desire for us to sacrifice good mental health on the altar of serving him. 
So we need to be careful that we don't make this an absolute, but we understand it as an attitude. Remember that Jesus opening salvo in the first of the um, discourses that he gives us in Matthew. So that's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 to 7. That he opens with a series of attitudes that disciples will have, or, or that mark out disciples as disciples. Very much Jesus' priority, as far as I can read the Gospels, is much less about saying, here's a rule and a box next to it and can you tick it? It's less about that and it's much more about saying, what are the attitudes that you bring? What's the character that you're developing? How are you growing to be more like Jesus and to be an apprentice to him as master? So I want us to be careful that when we hear Paul talking about how we must prefer, I think prefer my brother as an, as an older translation, to to put the needs of others above our own, we don't then think that it is somehow holy to become um, unwell in failing to care for oneself. Jesus did say uh, that we should love our neighbour as ourselves, suggesting at least that there should be no less love for others than ourselves, but there should be just as much love for others as ourselves. That, that we should love others in the way that God has loved us and, and actually we should allow God to love us by taking care of ourselves as his creation, as his workmanship, as his, as his craftsmanship, as a, as a bespoke and unique piece uh, of his creation. So I may be labouring this point slightly, but I, I want to make sure it's understood. The idea that we're looking at here is not to give up your own well-being in order to at some martyrous level um, give away all the energy to others but but to recognize that part of what it means to follow Jesus is to include that tender-hearted loving serving attitude that actually sometimes we are called to give um, a lot in service that we're called to go perhaps beyond our immediate resources and then to rest in God in order to to recover. Jesus, I think we see in the Gospels, served with an enormous amount of his energy, but knew that he then would need to recharge and knew that he would need to care for himself and took time with just his friends, his closest friends, in order to do that. It's part of why it's important not just to recognise Jesus as one who died and rose again, but actually one who lived and who demonstrates what it means to be fully human in that living too. So if we're going to be serving others, I think, from my point of view at least, one of the challenging things that, that I think I come across is how to do that in practical terms. Very often, the best way to serve others is to find out what it is that they are looking for, and then to identify what of that is appropriate for you to provide. So Jesus, famously in Mark 10, in two different uh, instances, says, what do you want me to do for you? And, and with James and John, they say we want places of honour by your side, as on your right and left when you sit as king. Uh, and then there's the, the, uh, the blind man, Bartimaeus, who says, I want to see. And actually, Jesus does this thing of saying, what is it that you're, you're searching for? How can I serve you? So in those moments when we try to serve people without finding out what it is that they're asking for, we're not doing what Jesus did. We are sometimes run the risk of being a little arrogant and assuming that we know communication is really important in serving 
very often when people want to serve, I encourage them to go and look at how serving is already happening in an area that they care about. So if you, if you care locally about homeless people, one of the best things to do is to approach the um, Hope Centre in Minehead and find out what they're doing and how you can get involved with it. If you care about feeding the hungry and the poor, talk to Marlene at the food bank, at Quantock Food Bank. To, to strive to do everything fresh like we're the first person to think of it is very often unhelpful and, and gets away from the idea that we might serve together those who need looking after. And there's another key point here, and, and it's from Matthew 25. And I'm not going to read the whole passage of the sheep and the goats, but there is this area uh, in, that, in the back end of that chapter where Jesus says, those who recognise me as Lord won't necessarily be recognisable to me as my friends if they haven't included serving those in need as part of their discipleship. If you are willing to go the extra mile, if you're willing to to do the whole nine yards to serve others, then uh, the Bible says that you know people in doing that have unwittingly uh, cared for, welcomed, supported and encouraged um, angels or, or even Jesus himself. Jesus says when you do things, when you serve those least in your society, then you are serving me. So yes, again, in practical terms, a lot of this is about saying, how do people need to be served? But that's the practical end of it. Then there's sort of, do I have the skills for that? Because if the way someone needs serving is something that I'm not equipped for, I can go away and get trained or equipped for that, or I can uh, work alongside those who are already equipped while I train. Or I might need to signpost them to somebody else, and then my energy can be given to some other piece of service. The other thing that we do in terms of serving is to do with our attitude to others so I just want to return to um, Philippians do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus Perhaps we need to remember that no part of serving comes without some element of relationship. We have the opportunity to serve each other simply by listening. To actually sometimes put aside the desire to do and to serve by understanding or empathising. You know, to, to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. To sit with them for a long time while they explain where they're at. To resist the urge to fix because much of how Jesus served was to do with how he listened not all of it was to do with how he healed there were miracles and they were amazing and I I always long to see the spirit work in that way but I know that a big part of what I bring in serving is to honour those around me to love them for who they are and where they are to make space for them to be who they are where they are and to make sure that the way I do that isn't just for those around me who are also disciples. Jesus calls that out too. He says, uh, you know, do you only greet those who already love and know you? Well, well done, pagans do that. Let's, let's see if we can extend that attitude of serving and listening to those who are on the fringes of your life. 
or who aren't part of your faith community. That's it from me this time around. I'm going to pray and then we'll have our questions. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you help us to heed all of your words? The words that call us to serve and the words that remind us we are loved. Would you help us to remember that we are not any more or less loved whatever serving we're doing? Would you also help us to hear that call from James not to discriminate, not to take better care of some rather than others because of how they look or how they dress or how familiar they are to us or even whether they share our theology. Would you give us big hearts and would you help us to seek your guidance in how we serve too. Amen. Okay, so question one is this. What have you got? The question really is kind of, what, do you, what abilities do you have or what passions do you have that, that help you understand what kind of service you might offer? So very often um, you'll find people involved in uh, community pantry or community wardrobe or community meal who have a particular passion for families or for cooking or for um provision that's that's that gives them joy and they have some sense of expertise in that maybe you feel you're a particularly strong um uh event coordinator or, or organizer and there are ways in which you can serve like that so what have you got how are you going to serve question two what are you already doing and how can you invite god to breathe into that Many of us will find it hard to think about new ways to serve when we feel we're already serving a lot. And it is important that we take care of ourselves as we serve. So it is worth thinking, what do I already do that is a service to others? And how can I invite Jesus to renew his presence in that or to breathe into it in new ways or to breathe into it by his spirit for the first time? So what are you already doing and how will you involve Jesus in fresh ways in that? Question three, who do you find hard to serve? That might be actual individuals who you can name, and it might be groups of people that you find difficult, or it might be personality types that you know are awkward for you. I spoke recently to a young lady who said that as a, as a community-minded, extroverted kind of person, um, cautious and introverted and awkward-looking sounding people are really hard for her to serve. She recognises the challenge of that. So it's important that we know that some kinds of service we find hard. And it might be that we're not called to do them. But maybe we are. And either way, it's important to be able to recognise what those are. And then to be honest with others about them. So if you're in a group setting, or you, you're watching it on your own, but you're going to be discussing it later. This is one of the things I want you to take with you to that setting. Who do I find it hard to serve? Why is that? And how can I invite others to pray for me for that thing? Thank you for being with us for this session of Being Church. I look forward to seeing you soon. Take good care and God bless.